clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. kickers rebound in a big way and all kickers combined are going to complete 95 percent of their kicks this week 95 after what was kick again last week so that's six overtime games to start the nfl season in the first five weeks with only one week not having one six i say we get to half of that in one week i say that there will be at least three games this week that go into overtime. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And I'm Joshua Thomas Lappin. Oh, yeah. Uh, known to Tosh by those who adore your work at uh, karaoke bars. Yes, so... It's true. Uh, as you can hear, I did get a French fortune correct. Finally got one right. Um, oh, yeah. I really thought... Way to be. I was really excited, too, because the... It was it was two later games that went into overtime with wait no Minnesota Carolina was at one o'clock there was one on one o'clock and then there was one later game with the Dallas New England game and then it went all the way to Sunday night and I was like oh man I only need one more and there's two left and then uh, they of course went into overtime and then I thought last night uh, we're recording on Tuesday and I thought Monday night I was like oh man we might go to overtime again and go make it four of them uh, obviously that did not happen I was really trying to go through here real quick and flip through kicker stats but i don't there's not really like an accessible spot for that you know like i have to go through every game to look at it so maybe you would have to go through every game i didn't uh i it's fine i didn't do the math it's on me i'm just uh, kickers did better this week though so yeah I, I feel like i don't have a a memory of kickers just disappointing people so i guess that's good news right um uh the minnesota kicker missed one to end the regulation game i know jake elliott missed one uh, I mean, I guess you could just uh, go that's, through that's, the kickers that's, real that's quick. That's all I'm really and, getting, you know. That's that's okay. Anyway, deal. rant rave recall. What do you got, my man? I have a rave about the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, okay. Obviously, that was the game I got wrong last week in Pal's picks, but you know, I'm just really impressed by these Baltimore Ravens. We've been talking about them for a couple of weeks. I know we talked about them, we highlighted them, I guess I should say, or we specifically highlighted John Harbaugh 
But I'm just really impressed by this team as a whole. You know, last week, two weeks ago, excuse me, they came out and they won through the air against the Indianapolis Colts in a big way, in a big comeback fashion. This week, it wasn't even a very pretty game. Lamar Jackson did not light it up on with his arm or anything, threw a couple interceptions, and they didn't have a whole lot of rushing yards. But the team just figured out how how to win against a team that was super, super hot against the Chargers. And Right now, I just feel like they are completely clicking. They're buying in with each other. They are meshing. Maybe the run game kind of stinks because they're having Latavius Murray running for 2.8 yards oh, of carry. Geez, That's crow. not official or started. anything like that. So I think it's a little bit more. I think it's at least three a clip, but not very much more. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell wearing number 17. <laughs> cool stuff. Le'Veon Bell on number 17. Yeah, I... I was watching the game and I saw that handoff and I was like, "Oh, is that Rashad Bateman? Did he come back from injury?" He did. Uh, I think he wears number thirteen. But I was like, "Oh, what, who's that running it into the end zone?" I was like, "Maybe on Bell wears 17? So now I guess I guess all of them are involved and all three of them scored touchdowns. So you can imagine what it would be like if they had one actually good running back right now. How great that would be for fantasy owners. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, they were awesome, and there's really no other way to explain that other than they were awesome, you know? Uh, they're well battled. Yeah, like I said, it was just, it was an ugly game, but the score didn't indicate an ugly game, and if you can win games like that against this competition, playing an ugly game, that's a really good sign. Absolutely, and you know, it's weird because we, we look at the Ravens in years past, they at times have struggled against good teams, and they, you know, have beaten up, so to speak, on bad teams and they talk about that all the time then they struggled with Detroit and they had some of these other games obviously lost the Raiders week one and you know jury is still out on the Raiders there are times where we think they look very good and times where we're confused about them but for the most part they're a decent team and you know the Ravens just keep keep soaring along I they're gonna be there near the end and I was talking to you this morning or no, it was last night before the game just saying I don't want to play the Ravens at all the Ravens are a terrifying team and in the current for state sure. of the NFL. So, yeah, a really good rave for the Ravens. So, I have a rant, and my rant is, guys, I understand that analytics people think that running backs don't matter. And just so you're aware, if you're not an avid listener of the show, I am on team analytics for the most part. <laughs> running backs do matter, Okay. Hear me, NFL coaches. I'm talking to you, Nick Sirianni. Listen to me. Listen to me. It started on Thursday night, and then I was going to extrapolate this to other games because there were other games that frustrated me, but this game frustrated me the most. I understand, okay? I understand you think that running backs don't matter. They do. Again, Miles Sanders was given one carry, one carry in the first half. One, I listen. I'm well aware that the Bucks defense is one of the better run defenses in the league, but geez, I'm crow. They aren't the 83 Bears or the 2000 Ravens or something. The last scoring drive for Philly, if you're paying attention, Miles had two rushes of 12 plus yards, both for first downs, and a reception that went across for a first down. At least try to use your running back. The one who's been pretty great this year. When you've given Miles Sanders the football, he's been pretty darn good. And again, I understand you're. it's against a team like that. But the reason why teams don't go wire to wire shutting down specific games, like 
People don't go wire to wire being like, nobody passed over 250 yards for us or nobody ran for over 100 yards from us. They rarely do that because eventually they have bad games. Eventually there's a team that plays better than you. So you give up entirely by only attempting it once in a whole half. And then near the end, it actually worked. Well, who's to say? And it ended up being a little, it ended up being closer. They, they, you know, they got it within a score and they possibly could have had a chance at the end there. But the reality is th this could have been a whole, an entirely different game with an entirely different complexion had you gone to one of your best players earlier on just to see if maybe, just maybe it would have worked. I understand games like opening night against Tampa Bay where Dallas was trying to run the ball and Zeke still looked pretty good, but it was struggling. You could see that it was like pulling teeth to run the football, right? But they were trying it and eventually they realized this isn't working out. Let's adjust, right? that's that's valid that's admirable and they almost won that game right but in a game like this where you have Jalen Hurts who had a couple of nice rushes but not that much and Sanders who looked great in the last drive and a half like you, you can be a really good running football team you have a pretty good offensive line well, I don't understand just giving up because you say ah, it's fine running game doesn't matter it annoys me Ooh, man, you need to take a breath right there, my friend. That's my uh, Nick Sirianni out. I like no, Nick Sirianni. I, totally. And I, I legitimately I do. I, I hear you, though. <laughs> I hear you. That was, it was, you know, it. it is strange because we often sit here, maybe not specifically you and I, sit here and think that we could be armchair coaches, correct? But it's just strange when a stadium full of fans who think the same thing, are yelling, run the football. And they have, like, signs saying and it. yet you have no inclination to run the football. And when you finally do, with, like, six minutes left, you run it pretty efficiently. So I'm going to be really fascinated to see what happens with Philadelphia this week if they go into this game and try to feed Miles Sanders a little bit more. Because you're right. I mean, Miles Sanders is probably not the back that – they imagine having he hasn't become a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook let's say it that way it's not you obviously need to get this guy the football but he's definitely more capable than getting what he's gotten this year well and the other thing about it is I, guys I understand analytics I know that I know that EP, EPA for rushes is typically a lot less than for passes I understand that I'm not an idiot I'm not a fool but running the football still works ask Buffalo on Monday Night Football okay Derrick Henry ran all over us for the most part and at first it was just one huge play and I was going to come on the show and be like don't tell me how good Derrick Henry is it was one rush but he pretty much dominated us but again like so obviously running the football does in <laughs> fact work at times and I know Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league maybe possibly I don't know what you feel but he's one of the best if not the best man has 200 the best runner he has for sure. 200 more yards than his second place rusher right now 10 touchdowns but again I get it like it's not going to work all the time but it's I think it's totally foolish to not even try I just, if you, again, like I said, there have been multiple times this year where you try to run the ball, it doesn't work, so you just pass it. it but your your passing game was also struggling, and you're just continuing to throw it all over the park and miss. That's where I think it's foolish. Again, you're right. Armchair coaches, we all try to be. But I, I just think it's a little bit different when something's obviously not working and you're not even giving the other thing an option just because you have 
just seceded into, you know, it's not going to work anyway, so why try it? I think that's a little silly. Regardless, yeah, that was Rant Rave right. Recall, sponsored Ooh. by Ibuprofen for the headaches that we have after our rants. Let's get into some news and notes here. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of injuries again. I feel like we're talking about injuries every week. But let's start on the non-injury front. Let's talk about these pesky Raiders and their win with the interim head coach. Uh, I'm just going to toss this to you. I thought they were going to crumble. And I know a lot of people said that, you know, they're professionals. They're going to come to work no matter who's the coach. I thought this was going to be a crumble game. Yeah, no, I, I did not think it was going to be a, quote, crumble game. I don't know. The score indicated in the Raiders-Broncos game, it was a little bit closer than I think it really was. It wasn't close, no. The, yeah, the Raiders won that game handily. But I think it more so, here we go. Tell me if you heard this before. I think it was just my disbelief and faith in the Denver Broncos. Fair I enough. Mean, absolutely. It's great for the Las Vegas Raiders to come out and get a win, their first game under interim coach, uh, Coach Biscaccia. I mean, great. Good for him. I'm super, super happy. He's been in the league for a long time. For him to come in and take over the situation he did and lead his team to a win against a divisional rival in their house is great news. That's that's just that's a feel-good story for him and the Raiders. That's great. But... I don't know necessarily how much stock you can necessarily put into this. Does this mean that the, the Raiders are back to Derek Carr throwing for 350-plus a game and whatnot? The What we saw the first couple of weeks before they hit their little bit of a lull was the distraction of John Gruden two weeks ago. Really that much to overcome? I, I don't know. I can't necessarily say. But for right now, as we're sitting here on October 19th, it's it's a good thing for the Las Vegas Raiders to have won that game and to have gotten that monkey off their back. Because now, if they if they lose this upcoming week, it's not going to be. There's not going to be any narrative of, is John Gruden, is this a distraction? Is this causing the players not to play well? That's, that's done. That's gone. They've thrown that in the trash, and it's gone with. They've gotten it off their back, and that's a great thing. So they can move forward, and they can focus on gelling and winning football games. I do definitely, definitely believe... I definitely believe that the excuse is gone now. I think that you get that excuse for one game. If they would have lost this game, however they would have lost it, I do believe you get the excuse. Everything that just happened, it was distracting and it was tough, right? Um, now we learn, you know, what is this team really? And they're four and two. They're they're tied with a lot of other teams in the NFL. Now I don't think that they're in the same weight class as some of these teams. Like Buffalo's four and two right now. I still think Buffalo's a far better team. So there are other teams roped in there. And like, you know, what do we really know about Cincinnati? I do really like Cincinnati, but you know, do we think that they're on the same class as Buffalo or the Raiders? Or, you know, how do you tier it? We don't know that question, but I do think that you're right, you know, from here on out is okay, what are the Raiders really about? And they're always kind of all over the place. I mean, they were, I think they were six and three, seven and three at one point last year, and then they fell apart. So I really won't be able, I won't write the book on the Raiders until the end of the year because that's typically where you find out about most teams, but especially the Raiders. So I, it's 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 good for them to have come in and kind of throw that aside and win a game. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't I don't think the Broncos are as good as I necessarily thought that they were. Yeah, I mean, and it's a bummer just flipping the script over to the Denver Broncos side. I feel like for the most part, I don't want to say necessarily week one or anything, I was anti-Broncos, but just seeing the the hype that they were garnering, it, it made me say, hang on, like this, this isn't really what it is. 
and they still have time to turn it around and whatnot. But I mean, it is disappointing. I think a lot of fans probably saw this as a prime opportunity to beat their division rival again in their house, which is what you want to do when you're having interdivisional battles. And it, it, it probably is a bummer. And in my opinion, I'm starting to wonder, I, I'm not saying turn to Drew Locke, but it's just seeming Teddy is getting off on such slow starts. I mean, we're seeing halves of football where he's thrown for under 100 yards and things start to pick up as they try to, where they have to throw their way into the game. But I'm starting to really question the, the validus or not. I don't want to say the valid, I can't validity. validity. Yes. Thank you of Teddy Bridgewater. But again, it's when Teddy got announced the starter, I said there were a lot of games in Carolina where he needed to throw the football to get into the game. He was checking it down. He's not necessarily doing that. Cortland Sutton is coming on super strong, which is great to see because it's a player that we both love on the show. But it's just he's not proving it in my opinion right now. And we I mean, I we've been on we were on this at the beginning of this because we both predicted Drew Locke would win the job. And I talked about Drew Locke being a breakout candidate and he didn't look great in relief of Teddy when Teddy got injured, but you know, not a lot of quarterbacks do when they get thrust into that situation. You're right though. I am starting to question. We'll see how long this goes. If the Broncos kind of trail off here and fade away, they have an interesting matchup on Thursday night with a banged up Cleveland Browns team right now. But I don't know if they lose a couple more, Vic Fangio could be on the, on the, on the hot seat as well. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He is certainly a coach that could be on the hot seat because of the decisions that are being made and the expectations. I don't I don't know necessarily what the NFL pundit expectations for the Denver Broncos were coming in, but, I mean, we talked about it. This team is chock full of potential. They have a great defense. They have all sorts of weapons. Now, they have dealt with some injuries. Obviously, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler have gone down, but they still have two great running backs, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. This is this is not a team lacking for weapons. This is not a team lacking for potential that you're thinking they just have no one out there. What like what what could you expect? That is not this. So he certainly is a coach on the hot seat in my opinion right now because why wouldn't there be? I agree. And I agree. Because you you made the decision to go with Teddy because you weren't thinking he was going to turn the ball over and you know everything has storylines of course but in the last two games Teddy's thrown four picks I mean that's a big deal if you were you were going with the veteran because you were thinking we can win games as long as Drew Locke's not turning the football over well Teddy Bridgewater is turning the football over so right I mean no you're absolutely right and it will something that will follow as we head down the line and I actually think I had Denver in the playoffs as a seventh seed and who knows what the seventh seed looks like because now you've got teams like Cleveland who are in fourth place in their division that might be fighting for that instead of winning the division like we said it's still early but there's a, you got the Chiefs in a wild card spot right now although the Chargers just yeah, lost a big sure. one we don't know how this is all going to shape out and it's always mayhem every year so we will continue to follow it turning to some good news and some fun news Newsflash, everybody. Aaron Rodgers does own the Chicago Bears. <laughs> um, I thought this was awesome. And it's so weird that I, w- I mentioned this to you as well on the phone. I-, I just feel like it's so weird to me personally. This is me 
being self-observant that there are times when people are cocky or arrogant and I just find it so annoying. And then there are times where I find it hysterical and awesome. And I do not know what where the line of demarcation is for that, but I thought this was awesome that he, he went Aaron Rodgers went to the press conference. And for those of you who didn't watch this game, Aaron has his famous discount double check. He puts the championship belt on when he, when he gets into a rushing touchdown. I believe it started on his first or second MVP run. Um and now he only he does it for it started the Super Bowl year. I was gonna say, okay, okay. And so now he does it for rushing touchdowns, and he just like whomped a big one on Sunday against Chicago. And in the press conference, they asked him about it, and uh, he, he joked and said, "Yeah, I blacked that. I don't know what he said, but the audio clearly has him saying, I own you, I own you,' or something like that along those lines." And he said that, you know, he saw some old middle-aged lady flipping him off two birds and he just got heated and threw it at her. And he's right. Uh, I mean, I'll just send it to the resident Green Bay Packer fan. He's right. It's it, This is his team. He is the owner of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of different layers to this if you really wanted to dissect it because I mean talking about Aaron Rodgers against the Bears I mean it's true he owns a 22 and 5 record against the Chicago Bears which is 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 pretty spectacular we were talking last night about Tom Brady being the quarterback against the Bills that had a better interdivisional record against an opponent which is which is pretty nuts so I mean it's it's not wrong and he's not wrong to say it I think it's just it's just really fascinating because you will irritate a lot of people doing that. I mean, especially I mean, Bears fans are going nuts about the the lack of class and and making the jokes of oh well the NFC title game owns you and, and championship game <laughs> owns you and well first of all that's I mean sure say what you will but that's garbage. I mean when I don't even, I don't even personally know when the last time the Bears. The last time the Bears even sniffed the NFC title game, you was were playing when Aaron them, and, Rodgers and, and the Packers and you beat them, beat them <laughs> in the title game. So they would love to even get close enough to the championship game to to get owned by it. But again, and and like you said, it is really just interesting because you said if Tom Brady did this in the years that he was owning Buffalo, we would just hate it. And it, it is really fascinating, and obviously Aaron Rodgers. I think you've adopted a little bit because of our friendship and whatnot. But probably he is a little a player bit that we like and that we root for but also what i just really enjoy and i've said it a couple times i said it after the the san francisco game this was a player week one that was throwing interceptions and was sitting on the bench looking nonchalant and and lackadaisical and people are like he, he, he doesn't care he doesn't care about the packers he's throwing the games from the inside it's great to see him come out with this fire and this energy whether or not he is done with green bay this year or not he's just being what he wants to be and, and putting it all on the line i mean this is a 30 almost 38 year old and while it wasn't like a 40 yard touchdown or whatever to, to skewed out for nearly 20 yards against the bears defense and put that in himself like that that's it's exciting absolutely it is it and there's no question about it and the reality is aaron Rodgers finished 13 to 23 195 yards two touchdowns nothing crazy but then he has this this you know run into the end zone with his rushing touchdown and it's just it's exciting and the reality is like this is uh i'm gonna reference Bill Simmons again, the podcast I like to listen to. You know how like when you're in a in a in a fight with somebody or you're debating somebody and they burn you really bad and all you can say is yeah, but and you don't really have anything. <laughs> he said that this is the ultimate yeah, but 
because they said I own you, and they're all like, yeah, but but you. There's no response to it. He's just he's just it's just right. You know what I mean? It's just I'm better than you. There's not and you know sometimes you don't need to say it and sometimes I think it's annoying but especially when they were coming at him and he was in a hostile environment and they're flipping him off and the like I feel like that's your moment where you're allowed to shoot back like that. You know what I mean? You're allowed to stand up for yourself when stuff's hitting the fan. And I I just think it's cool. And you're right. I do believe I probably adopted a little extra of love for the player because of you and our friendship. But I thought it was cool. And I definitely had that thought. If Tom Brady ever did this, I would just be staring <laughs> daggers at the TV. Uh, regardless, uh, let's go to another NFC North team. I found this news interesting. I don't think a lot of people are going to talk about this on their shows. You know, you're going to get all your the rigmarole of other things. I want to talk about the fact that they did come out and announce that Jared Goff would not be benched. Although Dan Campbell publicly said in a in a press conference that he needs to be better. And I thought that was interesting that not I shouldn't say interesting because of course you're going to be critical of your quarterback. You should be. You should be critical of all your players as a coach. You support them, but be constructively critical. And I mean, I feel that we as though we might be heading for a benching at some point. He was pretty bad uh, at home against these Cincinnati Bengals. And again, we the jury's still out on most teams, but especially on the Bengals, uh, we don't know what they are for real. But Jared Goff finished. 28 of 42 for 202 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. I mean, he threw 42 attempts and barely got over 200 yards and didn't throw a touchdown. He's He's been pretty bad of late. And I know we lauded praise on him early on, and he played pretty well early on in the season. But I don't, I don't know how you feel about this. Do we think this is just a level of, you know, is it A, they're playing the Rams next week and we don't want to take that revenge game away from him? Is it B, we're paying him all this money anyway, let's just stick with the guy and let him play out the season? Or is it C, you know, we don't really care if we lose all of our games because we'll have the first or second pick and we can take our quarterback from here? Yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot of those. I don't think Dan Campbell gives two two expletives about playing the Rams next week in a revenge game. That doesn't doesn't matter. If anything, it probably matters more for Stafford than anything. With all that being said, I think it, it's not shocking to me that they said they weren't going to bench Jared Goff because, I mean, who would they bench him for? David Blau? And yeah, David fun. Blau. David, David Blau, as fun as it was for our one fantasy game, David Blau owns a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 4-7. to seven. So, I mean, to come out and say that this guy is better than Nathan Peter, Peterman, I mean, that's it's not going to... <laughs> well, I mean, how hard is that to top? No offense to the GOAT. But, you know, this is... I, I think it's... It's just really good. I mean, we spoke last week about we were applauding Dan Campbell for his emotions and being honest and forthcoming and all of that good stuff. And and all of that's true. But right now he's being a head coach that's keeping his, all, every single one of his players accountable, which is good. Jared Goff is not above anybody in that organization. And I don't think he thinks that. But if he does, he certainly shouldn't because there's no reason for him to. But also we need to take into consideration that Outside of TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, who's Jared Goff throwing the football to? I mean, all of their wide receivers that started the year, as you know, you were thinking were going to be the guys are injured. So he's throwing to really late round draft picks, if not undrafted players. Even your guy that you love. That's a really good point. All offseason isn't even, 
isn't even there. So it's going to be hard. In all in all honesty, more likely than not, Jared Goff is not going to be the answer for the Detroit Lions. They're going to be taking a quarterback. They're going to be getting their guy because that's why they, they made this trade to get picks. They didn't make this trade to get a quarterback. They made it to get picks. And then, you know, if you just happen to get into Jared Goff and see the Jared Goff that we saw that Monday night game against the Chiefs a couple years ago, then you're in absolute heaven. But you got it to get picks with a guy that can bridge the gap. And that's all it is right now. So I don't think they really care if they're losing games. I mean, of course they care, but you know, I don't. I don't know what do what you expect. That's a good point. That's a good point. I agree with you. I was just interested. You know, there was some talk about it the last couple of weeks that maybe they would just bench the guy. No, and, it's absolutely valid. So we'll see what happens. I do still believe in Dan Campbell. I don't expect him to win more than two, maybe three games this year. If that, their team is pretty bare. The cupboard's bare for for them. But they. Due to the victory in London, remain the only winless team in the NFL. We will certainly see how long that goes. Before we move on into, uh, if you have any questions, I want to say I got Stack Guy on your friend's fortune, and Kickers finished forty-two of forty-nine this this week for eight eighty-five percent. I will say this: Dang. if you take out the Minnesota's three for five in kicking. It is only 88%, so you still wouldn't have gotten it, but still. (laughs) Um, There were a couple, actually, there were a couple not-so-great days. There were a couple uh, uh, one-for-threes. There was the three-for-five that really hurt, and then somebody went two-for-four as well. So there were a couple of people that really hurt you, but there actually were a lot of kickers that made all of their field goals. So not crazy off, but not quite. Thanks, that guy. Anyway. Thanks, that guy. Crushing it. Got some crushing it? Crushing it. Yep. Okay. Um, I am going to go with some low-hanging fruit here because you've already mentioned it, but I think it's extremely warranted. And maybe it hurts a little bit, but I think, you know, you're you're a big boy. I'm going to give a crushing it to Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry, we were talking about it, was he – I, I didn't really realize how often that Buffalo played Tennessee. I don't know why I find that surprising. Like, I remember the game last year, but beyond that, like, I don't have they're one of those being like, oh, these two teams go against it all the time. They're one of those odd interconference rivalries that you play almost all the time. I mean, I feel like every team has one of those teams, but we play them almost every year. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It just never was quite on my radar, but they, until last night, and obviously... Last night, I I joked on the phone with you while we were talking before the game. I was like, Henry's going for over 200 yards, and he, he didn't get that. But Buffalo had done a really good job of shutting Derrick Henry down for the most part. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy like 18 carries for 42 yards, but they, they had really limited King Henry for what King Henry is. But last night, he came out, and his shoulder pads were so darn large that he carried the entire team, for the most part, for most of the game on his shoulders. And against a team that was coming out and we had been a little bit weary about the the validity of the defense being the the 2000 Ravens S defense and but but Henry put that put that team on the map and did a great job doing it. I definitely I will say this. I just want to clarify for those of you who know my fandom. I never thought we were the 2000 Ravens. Um <laughs> I still think we're very good. That being said, oh for sure. That being no, said, Derrick Henry versus the Bills in the last three t- 
times we've played. 2018, only 56 yards. 2019, 78 yards. And last year uh, in the, the game where they did admittedly beat us, though it was through the air, only 57 yards. So he beat he beat every single one of those games in one carry on Monday night. So, yes, he absolutely was crushing it. Um, deserves all the credit in the world. I, I think that it was just one of those games. And honestly, I still feel like we should have won in the end. And they'll be in our weekend review. We'll talk about that in a second here. But absolutely deserves it. My crushing it is going to go out to my Uncle John, uh, my cousins, J.D. and Matt, my cousin, Amanda, her husband, Vinny, and their son, Vincent Jr., our good friend Michael Mikis and all of the Dallas Cowboys along along fans along our lives. Oh boy, Dak Prescott. I was, I was real confused about where that was going. Dak Prescott's really freaking good, guys. Holy moly. And we've known this for a long time. Uh, even even goes back to our first season where we were having debates over is it Dak or is it Zeke, you know what I mean? And then we went into our first quarterback rankings. We debated if he was in this uh, I think we did 15 so or 10 or whatever it is. We were debating him there. Dak Prescott has the highest passer rating in NFL history when the game is tied in the fourth quarter of overtime by like 30 points. His rating is 148.3. Second uh, is Rich Gannon at 111.6. And in fifth place is Aaron Rodgers, 105.9. The Patriots... Um, Allowed 445 passing yards from Dak Prescott, which is the most ever against a Bill Belichick defense, period. No matter where he has coached defense. This includes that incredible Giants defense on their Super Bowl runs. Like, this is, like, legitimately has never happened against Bill Belichick. Prescott did it. Uh, he is now 18 of 18 for 214 yards and three game-winning touchdowns with zero sacks and a 155.79 passer rating um, in overtime. So he's perfect in overtime. The only loss he had um, was against Houston when the Cowboys punted on a fourth and one on the Houston 42-yard line. Thank you, Jason Garrett. Um, Dak Prescott, for his career when the game is tied in fourth quarter of overtime, he's 63 of 80, 79, which is almost a 79% completion percentage, 848 yards, nine touchdowns, zero picks. Demand shows up when is most needed. And I... You and I... Again, I want to be very clear to those of you who don't listen to the show. Josh and I have never been on the... Dak Prescott's not great train, okay? We've always liked Dak Prescott, but... I have never given him the the level of props that I am today because he has just been sensational. And I don't really hear a lot of people talking about him in terms of MVP conversation, but I absolutely believe that he should be this year. I don't know how you feel about that, but I absolutely think that Dak Prescott deserves to be in that conversation, especially after the oh, way that course. especially after the way they won that game this past week. The the Cowboys have just been really, really great in general and uh yeah, Dak Prescott crushing it. Crushing it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I think, you know, right now, in my opinion, there's there's two front runners right now, and Dak is absolutely one of them. Well, we can use that to segue into our weekend review. We'll just go right to that uh, New England. I just literally forgot. I just said their name. Uh, New England-Dallas matchup <laughs> in New England. Uh, we know football, Listen, the, I'm going to admit to something that I don't need to. I could just pretend like I didn't do this. I did, in our pick pool, I switched my pick to New England at the last second 
on Sunday morning. Uh, I was I, I believe we talked about it on the show. I said this is the game that that slips out of Dallas's fingers. I still think they're a great team, but this is the one that slips away. And for a second there, it looked like it might, especially when it got into that fourth quarter and it was back and forth. Uh, and then obviously, like I said, Dak took it and went away with it. But went to overtime, 35-29 was the final score. Dallas won. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was pretty bottled up for most of the game. And then late just exploded. Nine catches, 149 yards, the two touchdowns. Dak finishes, of course, with 445 and three touchdowns. Mac Jones looked pretty good, 15-21, 229, two touchdowns and a pick. Damian Harris went over 100 and a touchdown. Rookie Ramondre Stevenson scored a touchdown. Of course, Kendrick Board had that 175 long bomb touchdown but the big story here of course is Dak Prescott and this Cowboys defense that Trayvon Diggs is is like I don't even have a word for him he's indescribable he's so good and it's just one of those weird years where this happens way back when with Buffalo when Buffalo had Jarris Bird I don't know if anybody remembers this but Buffalo had a safety named Jarris Bird who ended up winning a Super Bowl with New Orleans but as a safety where he had a season where he had three or four games in a row where he had two interceptions in a row and it feels like every now and then you have these players who are very good players but something just happens where the ball just seems to fall near them right uh because he's getting some tip passes too like he's a great player and he's just having one of those weird years where as a, a defensive back the ball's right near you and you're hot right you're just feeling it he had a 42 yard interception return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter so he has seven interceptions this season which is the most by a cowboys player in an entire season since 1985 so he's already has the record for a single season then the rest of these games uh the rest of these 13 14 games it's just gonna be padding stats now <laughs> well i i do admit that the season is an extra game adam but we are we are well beyond the still having 14 games left my friend damn it i thought you were gonna let me get i thought you were gonna let me get away with it as soon as i said it as soon as i said it i was like oh my god can we just ignore that i just totally fudged math up we already know i suck at it <laughs> Take it away. Math of money. Anyways, yeah, absolutely. Because and, and it was a game that you gave me in pals picks that you you challenged me thinking that this is the game that Dallas would mess up. And and like you said, it absolutely looked like it was going to be for a hot moment. I'm not going to lie, I was relatively excited for Diggs to finally have the game where he didn't have the interception. Because, and don't get me wrong, it's great. I was really excited when Dallas drafted this young kid out of Alabama. And I feel like he took his lumps last year and learned and started turning, making making the turn. And this year it is just coming with the, the biggest bang you possibly could. And like you said, you know, sometimes, does this mean that he's going to rewrite all the record books and have 10 more picks than anybody else has in history in a single year? Or he's going to be a per perpetual gonna have 10 interceptions every single year for the rest of his career I don't know who's to say very well could be but more likely than not it's very hard to do but right now he's like you said I love that you said he's hot he's on fire and he's finding himself around the ball and not afraid to make a play on that ball listen we're wrong about a lot of things on the show and we eat crow but I'm giving us both credit for this because when we covered that draft we both called him our best cornerback and he was taken in the second round so, I mean, we were, re- again, it's still on plenty of career to happen for him and all the other defensive backs that were taken to that draft. But we both believed in this kid. And again, he's been good outside of just interceptions, right? It's not just 
he's lucking out with turnovers because, again, turnovers regress to the mean positively and negatively all the time, right? They come and they go. But he's been good just in general. Oh, for sure. I do think it's super interesting to just talk about one more second the the narrative of a football game because you're you're obviously not going to take away from him getting the pick six to take the lead in the final couple of minutes, but then on the one of the very next plays to give up the the seventy five yard catch and run, it, it's just so fascinating and I don't think it 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 obviously helps that Dallas won the football game right, but. It's so interesting to think that if he'd given up a 75-yard touchdown catch and then had the pick six, that it just completely switches the narrative of how that game kind of went for him. No, you're absolutely— It's super minute, but I was just thinking about it. It, it. That's something interesting because you're not going to take away from what he did, but it just really changes the the taste that you got or the flavor left in your mouth. Right, absolutely. And order of operations always matters, but I do think it is important to say— especially in a pass-happy league, that it's more likely than not that your best corner or the best corners in the league, best defensive backs, are going to get burned every now and then just because of the sheer volume and quantity of shots that they have to defend. But you're absolutely right. The order of operations definitely uh, funges with the narrative a little bit. Um, And we don't have to belabor too much, but Dallas is absolutely... One of the top teams in the NFL, especially now sitting at five and one. I think they're going into their bye week this week, and uh, they are going into their bye. But yeah, they're doing really well. I just want to flip the script real quick before we move on and just talk about New England because New England keeps coming out on the losing side of these games. But I'm still really, really impressed as a whole. And obviously, New England isn't a team that we love to root for. And I'm never like, yeah, like they can they can do this. But just thinking about and and I don't want to. It's weird to say because they went out this year and they did all this stuff with the free agents that we've already spent all this time talking about and spent all of the money and whatnot. But when thinking about especially the the defensive backfield, J.C. Jackson certainly is looking like he's becoming a young superstar. But this isn't – they don't have the lockdown Stephon Gilmore anymore. Of You're just thinking whatever happens over there is is going the Patriot way. And they've got New England's gone against some really good teams the last couple of weeks, Dallas, Tampa. And I feel like Bill Belichick is trying everything he can to slow these teams down. And I think he is. So, again, I, this year I feel like is the year of Josh being yay moral victories. And I know it stinks for Patriots fans. It's not where they want to be. They're worse off than they are last year. And they were already down in the dumps because they weren't going to the playoffs. They still technically could this year. It's not totally written and done, but more likely than not, they're not going to. But I still have such respect for what I'm seeing from Bill Belichick because he's made it as a defensive mind, probably one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. And I think we're still seeing it. I Yeah, I I was talking a little bit to some people about this, and I definitely think we're seeing that Brady had a lot to do with this team. But we've also never seen the cupboard quite as bare as as it is. And he also did spend a lot of money. So there's it's a very interesting situation. We don't have to talk about it too much. But you're right. They're, they probably should have beat the Dolphins week one. They had that one second rushing touchdown that there was a fumble into the end zone. They crushed the Jets. They get handled by the Saints. But then they come down to one late game field goal against Tom Brady and the Pats. They beat the Texans. And they come down to an overtime throw against 
against the Cowboys. You're right. They I mean they they're playing tough and they're hanging in there. They have a very interesting schedule. Uh, they're home for the Jets this week, and then they go at the Chargers, at the Panthers, home for the Browns, at the Falcons, home for the Titans, and then at the Bills. Um, at the Bills, home for the Colts, and then at the Bills on Monday Night Football at home. And then they still have the Jags and Dolphins to round up the year. So they have a very interesting schedule. There's wins on their schedule, and they're, let's see, Buffalo's hard, of course. They still have to play Buffalo twice. We don't know about the Colts so much, and obviously the Titans just beat them. We don't know about the Browns. Like there's, They still have some tough AFC contests coming up here. They could play their way into contention, but you're right. I, I've, I have liked some of the things that I've seen from the – Patriots and I definitely not seen them struggle enough to where I'm confident that we're just going to sweep Bill Belichick in this team because they're still a well-coached unit in my opinion yeah I, I agree with you and it's just so we didn't really talk about it because we don't do a ton in the offseason obviously we highlighted and talked about it all the free agents they brought in but I don't feel like for the amount of money that they gave and I don't mean had to get into value and, and everything because we know the market gets reset every single year. But the free agents that they brought in, it, they brought in, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. It's not like they went out and got a Julio Jones and a, and a Tony Gonzalez. They brought in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And who Hunter Henry is starting to look pretty good. He's actually Smith, had a touchdown in the, the last couple of that games. Was, that was signed. And he has like 15 catches on the year. Like, sure, they did all of this massive overhaul, but... I, I don't think they was for superstars. It's not like they're like, why does Bill Belichick have all this talent and doing anything with it? It's it's not that, in my opinion. Certainly see how it plays out as the year continues to go, but I am not writing off the New England Patriots quite yet, especially with how the bottom of the ASC looks. Let's go to the another one of the overtime games. 34-28, Minnesota Vikings. The two teams going in totally different directions as Minnesota started off slow and is now kind of hot right now. Kirk Cousins, 33-48, 373 and three touchdowns, no picks. Why couldn't I have played them this week versus the one week where I... He was terrible. Uh, Dalvin Cook finished with 140 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, holy moly, 11 catches, 126 yards and a touchdown. K.J. Osborne with the game winner. Carolina hung in tough with this game. This was an interesting matchup. Uh, Sam Darnold did not have a great completion percentage, 17 of 41, 207 touchdown to pick. He did leave that He did leave that game-tying dr- drive near the end there. Didn't get a chance in overtime. overtime. Chuba Hubbard scored. DJ Moore had five catches. Um, Ian Thomas had a huge 41-yard catch as well. Interesting game. Kind of weird. Felt like Minnesota was controlling it for most of it. Then Carolina was in it. Then it went to overtime, and then Kirk just shut everybody up in overtime. And it was just weird. And these teams are just going in totally different directions. So I want to hear from you. Do you think that this is the Vikings are just really good and they're continuing to get better and better because they have a couple of unfortunate losses? Or is this Carolina's never been as good as we thought that they were? I will also say about Minnesota and Carolina, Carolina hung in there against Dallas. They got in there late in the late in the game. And then also Minnesota was probably should have beaten the undefeated Cardinals and we might be having a different conversation. Yeah, no, I, this is more so on the Vikings and them being pretty darn legit than anything in my opinion about the Panthers. I picked Minnesota to win. I expected that to happen. Obviously I thought CMC was going to return before he got put on IR last week. I think that did hurt because so much of the offense goes through him. And I think it's so clear at first I thought, you know, it was kind of just, 
I don't want to, I'll, I'll say a mirage. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but I was like, like one player cannot mean that much to an organization, but it's certainly looking like he did or he does. But at the same time, you were talking about Donald's completion percentage, which, yeah, that's ugly. But the name of the game all game long, because I paid a lot of attention to this game, was drops for the Panthers because guys, Darnold was hitting guys, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, which hurts my heart because you know how much I like DJ Moore, but they were just flat out dropping the football, hitting the hands and putting it down on the dirt. It was odd. And I think, you know, that happens from time to time. They get the yips we talk about with kickers, but it happens with wide receivers too. When they get themselves convinced that they can't catch the football, it happens and it happened big time in this game. So would that have necessarily turned the tides? Who's to say? You know, you can't you can't live in worlds of hypotheticals. It just doesn't work. But you know, I, I just I do think the Vikings are pretty darn legit. They have a better defense than I think they get credit for. Obviously Dalvin Cook was back and got rolling a little bit and that really, really helped. And you know, this wasn't even a game where Adam Thielen had four targets and caught two for touchdowns like Adam Thielen got targeted like 14 times or something like that and was just eating was eating a lot and so you know he's out there proving that he can still do it he's not just a red zone target and you know the stars kind of aligned for Minnesota there absolutely and we'll see as they continue they certainly have a lot plenty of divisional matchups left to go uh, I, I want to see them match up against uh against the the Packers for sure so we'll see as the the do we know when they play? I don't have it. I don't have it pulled up. Off the top of my head, I do not. Let's look it up real quick. But what, what were your opinions on that game? For sure. I mean, I didn't. It's ironic. I live in North Carolina, and I was not watching that game at all. Um, so I didn't. I didn't notice the the drops narrative, which is a good point for sure. I definitely think Sam Darnold is a lot better than we have ever given him credit for, but I especially think he's been pretty good this year. I know that they've faced some not-so-great teams, but for the most part, I think he's actually been pretty good. I think that Carolina is not as good as the 3-0 start, but they're not as bad as the 0-3 finish in the last three weeks. I think that they are somewhere in the middle, and I do think that they have an outside chance at that 7 seed. I just think the NFC is a little bit tougher right now than the AFC, so we'll see. Yeah, no, that is very fair. So to give you an answer on your Packers-Vikings question, they play each other in five weeks. So they play each other on November 21st, and then they are the Sunday night game in week 17. Ooh, that's, that's I guess, 2nd. we'll see We'll see how it plays out. Could be a possible flex if they continue to play well. Let's slide into the Buffalo-Tennessee game that we kind of mentioned. Two little fun facts about this game. Derrick Henry reached 21.8 miles per hour on his touchdown run, which is a Ooh. career high and fastest by any ball carrier this season and I remember texting you and being like I just forget how fast he is sometimes and he looks so weird when he runs because he runs completely upright there's no there's no level to him he just runs straight six foot three barreling down the field Tennessee has has 12 before this game had 12 wins after trailing in the fourth quarter which is the most in the NFL under Mike Vrabel um, they had one. They had one this season in week two, and now they have two. So now they're at thirteen. Uh, Mike Vrabel and his teams just do not give up. And this was an interesting game for a lot of reasons because there was a lot of game gamesmanship happening, and obviously there was the fun kind of Philly special with Dawson Knox, who had a broken hand, by the way, when he threw that. Um, and then there was the going forward on fourth down. Josh Allen did finish with a really great stat line, 353 yards, three touchdowns. He did have a pick. 
Um, Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 89 yards, a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 91 yards. Cole Beasley was great, seven catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but I mean, obviously the story was, and you mentioned it in the crushing it, Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 143, three touchdowns. Uh, Ryan Tannehill heated up a little bit later. He did have a rushing touchdown, but A.J. Brown in the second half had seven catches for 91 yards. Uh, I'll talk about this game if you want me to, but I'd much rather hear your overarching thoughts about this game. Well, I, I do want to hear you talk about it because I don't, bless you, don't have a ton to say about Buffalo. I think, you know, they came out and, and did really, really admirably. I think, you know, this is this is a super legitimate team. And there's, there's not going to be any argument from almost anybody unless you're just ignorant about Buffalo. But I think there, there are so many factors that went in to just Tennessee, I think, coming out with the victory. And I think it's super interesting that you said you should have won the game. That's, you know, sure, whatever. I will say I did take a quick peek at the power rankings, you know, my favorite thing to hold on <laughs> world. And they talked about they talked about this game. And obviously a large portion of the decision came down to going for it on, on that fourth down. And in my opinion, again, I, I, I hated it. I think it was completely i don't want to say completely i understand 100% why you would go for it but i just i hate it but regardless i will talk about that in a moment they said in the power rankings and this is a blurb that maybe you agree with as a fan you want to believe it and as a fan you'll root for it but i they said this is a game that buffalo knows they would win 9 out of 10 times and i think that's completely wrong and again, that's not taking anything away from Buffalo. But I think this is this is a team, Buffalo, that I think is is built probably better than Tennessee. And I think it's probably a six to four out of ten. It's not nine times out of ten because they played each other so darn well. There were so many things that went against the Titans. It seemed like everyone was getting injured. They were down to having three cornerbacks. You know, when you have a third or fourth string cornerback running out there against Stefan Diggs, who's one of the best in the league. Of course, bad things are going to happen. And, you know, they didn't have Julio Jones there at the end because, I don't know, it had to have been injured. It wasn't he was getting pulled off for no reason. So you didn't have him out there. And obviously that was one of your big, large transactions to get during the offseason. It was going to catapult Tennessee to, to the Super Bowl contenders that we all talked about and whatnot so he wasn't out there and and losing Taylor Luan was a big one and I do think that impacted the game a little bit obviously it didn't cost them the game but it did make a difference in my opinion so Tennessee was just going down and down it by the way it, it just stinks for Caleb Farley I know he was one of your yeah favorites in the draft, he was man what a bummer about that so it just I think it is not a game that Buffalo in 10 out of, or 9 out of 10 times because like I said, Buffalo is a little bit better, a little bit better well-built, but Tennessee is a team that's built to hang around with a team like Buffalo, and I think we saw that in Buffalo never absolutely running away with the game. Tennessee's definitely a very good team. I didn't – I don't believe – I won't say I fully believed that before the game, so they definitely showed me something in that. I mean this next sentence with total sincerity. I'm glad we lost this game. I, I I honestly, 
I was getting to the point where I, as a fan, was reaching a level of confidence that I have never felt about any team I have ever liked ever. And I was watching this game, and there was never a moment where I thought we were going to lose. Not, not like I was getting excited, and like my heart was racing a little bit because it was an exciting game. It was a lot of fun. There were so many lead changes. It was back and forth. It was a really great game. Yeah, set a Monday night football record yeah it was for lead changes. it was so much fun I really enjoyed watching it, but there was never a moment where I didn't believe we're gonna get this like we're just we're going to win this game I believe it and that's not necessarily a bad thing but and I don't I don't want to say that they got full of themselves because I don't think they they did I really don't think it was a matter of that I just think that we have to realize that on any given Sunday, a team can beat you, whether you're better than them or not. And I don't think it's nine out of ten. I probably would say seven out of ten, but <laughs> which is not that different than what you said, six out of four, or six to four. But regardless, I do think we're the better team. I just think we lost. And again, there's there's a there's something to be said about there's something to be said about the fact that it was an inch away from a first down on the third down, a game of inches for sure. And he only doesn't get the fourth and one because he slips. Now, again, there's a lot of different things to this because you did also say you made a great point. I so heartbreaks for Caleb Farley. You're right. One of my favorite players coming into the draft. And I really I wanted Buffalo to get him. So I was really glad. Um, I, I thought I was glad he ended up going to a good place because Tennessee has needed him. Uh, Breon Borders came in and kind of got crushed a couple of times, although he did make a couple of really nice plays late in that game against us. But I just love what Sean McDermott said. He said, I have Josh Allen. I'm going with him 10 out of 10 times in that situation. And I love that. And I know that I was very interested to see what you would say about that decision. Uh, under normal circumstances, I feel like I would have said 10 out of 10 times, Josh is going to come on and complain about going for it on fourth down. Um, but then at the same time, I was like, I wonder if he really, <laughs> I wonder if he truly would look at the situation and believe, okay, no, that was the right call. Obviously, it didn't work. Every time it doesn't work, we come on and say, oh, we shouldn't have done it. But I just feel like in that situation, it's the difference between, okay, if you don't win the coin toss, we haven't been stopping Derrick Henry at all. So it's basically, if we win the coin toss, we think we'll win because we can go down and score. Or if we lose it, they're going to go down and win. And it's not an exact 50-50, but it's closer to 50-50 than can you just get one yard with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And to me... I don't know if I loved the getting the shotgun, then move up and try to snap it real quick. I actually kind of wanted him to run it from the shotgun to get a head start. Or there was a moment where I thought this would be a really smart moment. Everybody, you could see that the whole, everything was pincered on the defensive line to attack the center. They all thought that was coming. I was like, they haven't been able to stop Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders or Stefan Diggs for that matter all day. I felt like that would have been a really great moment to fake the quarterback run and then hit one of those guys real quick open. That's just me. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a moment where I said, oh man, we should have done that. If there was ever, if there was even a little bit of that in me, it was because we didn't get it. And I was like, oh man, I wish we would have kicked it. Cause then I could keep watching this game. Um, but, <laughs> sure. but it was awesome and it was a lot of fun. And I, it was also really cool to not be depressed after a Buffalo win. Uh, sure. I was bummed, but I mean, you've seen me after Buffalo losses before. And sometimes I just get like so moody and I was just like, all right, we lost that one. We'll We'll probably see you again. And I I still have very confident in our team. I still think we'll win in the division. Still think we'll be in the playoffs and we'll be in contention. But to top off this little it's not really a rant, this this little mini soliloquy here. I'm glad we lost this game because I hope that it can help us focus a little bit more uh heading late into late in the season. 
Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And you're you're not wrong with anything you're saying. Absolutely. I am so confident that Buffalo is going to win the division because they're the best team in the division. They are going to play in the playoffs, and they're probably going to win some playoff games. But, you know, it's just something, like you said, every given Sunday. I remember a couple years ago when Lamar came in and won his, it was his MVP year, and like they look unstoppable, and then they just pooped the bed in, in the playoff game. That happens. Yeah, you're absolutely right. just... Good, good teams just lose football games sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's not about that. But I will say this about my opinion on going for it on fourth down. And again, I, I commend Sean McDermott for what he said. I don't think he's wrong. I don't think it was the I, – I, I think it was the wrong decision, but I understand why it was made. But I feel like there are a lot of decisions or a lot of factors, I should say, as to why I thought it was a bad idea. Number one – Buffalo, this was at the beginning of the game, but Buffalo had been in the red zone twice and wasn't able to punch it in. Yeah, so we really struggled showing, in the red Tennessee zone. Tennessee was showing some fight down there in the red zone when things get a little bit tighter that they weren't just allowing walk-in touchdowns every single time that we have seen Buffalo, for the most part, just be so, so, so stupidly effective in the red zone. Number two is we saw the defensive line put a lot of good pressure on Josh Allen and not pressure where Josh Allen, because he gets pressured sometimes often, but he's able to just maneuver so darn well and, and make magical things happen. Yeah. It wasn't that so often last night. And they showed a stat. I don't know what the stat was off the top of my head, but it was something like they only blitzed like three out of like 47 times. Yeah, it that wasn't was at a the lot. end of the game. So there could have, it wasn't a lot. It was a little bit different. So we saw the line making an impact, the defensive line making an impact in that game early. So I think... Combined with that, and it wasn't even it wasn't on the one yard line where you were going for a touchdown, so you would have gotten another set of downs and then hoped for something good to happen. With it, really just sets up more opportunities. So this is glass half empty. If you want, to. <laughs> it sets up more opportunities for something else to go wrong. That's a good point. So yes, I understand that you are giving yourself a chance to get the touchdown, but. But I hear you. You know, you're thinking you haven't stopped Derrick Henry all day. AJ Brown starting to come on. If you don't get the, t- uh, the coin toss, then you might not get to touch the football. But at the same time, you you go with Josh Allen because he is your franchise quarterback. He's six foot five and and so darn good, and and completely warranted. But it's sometimes you know I think you also need to trust this defense that maybe you weren't thinking it, but a lot of people are like, oh my god, like this is the best defense that we've seen in the last twenty years. You know, you you roll the dice and give yourself a chance to do it that way. This is certainly a debate that will not stop for us. It's going to continue all week, all year. Come here to Simultaneous Catch for Josh and Adam to fight over analytics and going forward on fourth down. Uh, what we one thing we can agree on <laughs> is that this was the first N- the tight end in NFL history to complete a scoring pass with a broken hand. Okay, nobody else has ever done it. And nobody else will now, ever. I want again. to know what what exactly constitute broken hand. <laughs> I don't know, hand. but it did say I don't know if you could have a broken hand, you have a broken <laughs> finger, Adam. What is a broken for hand? For the I don't know exactly what happened, but it said he, Dawson Knox broke a bone in his hand. For those of you who don't know, and if you actually watch the if you watch the replay, Josh Allen is emphatically trying to wave off the play call because he knows Dawson broke his hand, and apparently Dawson was like, "No, I got it, Josh. Let's do this," and threw it anyway. And he was like, "That's why we love him." Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I'm, <laughs> I obviously 
this is a weird thing to say. I'm really glad he broke his hand because all the commentators are like, you know what position Dawson Knox played in high school? Quarterback. And I was like, that was an awful pass. <laughs> I was like, this guy played quarterback? <laughs> no, you're, what? you're absolutely right. I remember watching it. I was like, oh boy, that was not that good. Thank God he was wide open. <laughs> Regardless, uh, it was a really, really fun week of the NFL. Like we said, three overtime games, a lot of fun. Transitioning now, heading into week seven. Oh, boy, we are just bumbling on down the line here in the NFL. Um, yes, we got some got some cold reads today, man. You know, I just want to talk about a cold read kind of similar to I asked you this a few weeks ago, but this is always something to monitor, especially as we continue getting in. We kind of gave a little glimpse of it earlier. We have seen John Gruden resign from the Las Vegas Raiders, and whatever your opinion on that is, it was the right thing to do. But we haven't seen a coach firing yet. We talked about Vic Fangio's seat heating up being a possible contender. Uh, you know, Brian Flores very much could be on the hot seat. Who do you think is going to be the first coaching fire we see this year? I want to be on the record that I think it's a mistake to fire Brian Flores. I don't care how the season ends. I know that they're struggling. I don't know if they really fully will turn around. I thought they were going to be dominant in London, and they weren't. Although, I will say, and we could talk about this in another time, I really liked what I saw from Tua, regardless of whether or not it was from Jacksonville. I saw a lot of things in that game that were the reasons why I believed in him heading into the draft. That being said, uh, I still think it'd be a mistake to get rid of Flores. You guys went 10-6 and six last year and had it, uh, some injury issues, and you had injury issues this past week. I think you are out both of your top corners. So again, we'll we'll see what happens. I think that would be a mistake. I think it's going to be Vic Fangio at this point. I I I was one of I toyed with doing a recall today about the Broncos making the playoffs. I really do like this team. I just like quarterback or coach, whatever it is. I don't like it, and I don't like their future either. Uh, they have this Thursday night game against the Browns. It's great. Then they have Washington, and then they have the Cowboys. Uh, and then they have the Chargers, and then they have the Chiefs. And then they still have to play the Bengals, which is not easy. They still have to go to the Raiders, and then they have another contest with the Chiefs and the Chargers, respectively. They just have a gauntlet left on their schedule, and I don't see them at this point getting past it. Uh, they dropped too many of the games um, so far that I really thought they should have won. And, uh, yeah, I just don't think there's going to be enough time for it. And I'm looking at all these other coaches that I just – they might be bad, but I don't think that they're – you know, coach firing bad. Like Mike Tomlin's not going to lose his job if they're bad or not. Now they're three and three. Joe Judge isn't going to lose his job in year two, I don't think. Um, and I don't flo think Flores should be fired. So yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd say Vic Fangio. Do you? This is this is a mini cold read because I have a, another legitimate after. Do you think? So with all that being said, the gauntlet, do you think this is something that happens at the end of the year? Is this going to be mid-fire um, mid-season? I don't... We're almost at mid-season. Is this going to be like one of those things we saw with Mike McCarthy where it's like week 14 and they get rid of it? I'm trying to think who the defensive coordinator is. I feel like it's somebody we know and somebody we like. Uh, I'm very much on the... It, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm typically of the mindset that for a coach to be fired mid-season, they have to like somebody on the staff that they want to look at. So I don't know oh, who the I I don't actually know who the that's fine no that's fine I'm I'm just saying Ed Donatello okay never mind never <laughs> mind maybe it's maybe there's an offensive coordinator I thought there was somebody on that staff regardless I I'm normally on that train if there's you know the Raiders situation is different he's never coached head coach before but that's just because Pat Shermer is uh, the yeah never mind no yeah it'll be at the end of the year. <laughs> 
Um, I will say this. A lot of people might be screaming, Nagy, Nagy, Nagy. I still think Matt Nagy's a, a decent coach. Uh, I definitely think he's a great offensive mind. I think that um, obviously he struggled in times the last couple of years, but the man's been in the playoffs. They backed into it last year, and I'm not going to be shocked if he backs into it again this year with Fields. That defense is pretty darn good, and Fields has shown a lot of progress in the last couple of weeks. So I will not be surprised if Matt Nagy is starting week one with Justin Fields next year. All right, there we go. All right, my second cold Gets fired week. next week. <laughs> like tomorrow. Breaking, <laughs> Breaking news, news right now. Not Nagy fired. <laughs> so the player that I love to hate, no, not Matthew Stafford. I don't I don't love to hate him. I <laughs> you just did hate have him. Some qualms with, <laughs> but I'm not even talking about Matt Stafford. You're right. But I'm talking about Baker Mayfield. I'm talking about him right now. And I did have some qualms with him earlier on in his career about the things he'd say or things he wouldn't do to back up the things he'd say. But I – so he is dealing with an injury right now. Man, the Browns dealing with injuries we're talking about. They are they are beat up right now. But Baker Mayfield battling with a shoulder injury. But he came out to the press, I believe it was today – if it wasn't today, it had to have been yesterday. I'm pretty positive it was a day. And said when talking about whether or not he was going to play Thursday against the Denver Broncos, quote, it's my decision. I get to say whether or not, whether I play or not. That's just how it is. Did he, now, did he I, actually I probably, say it like that? I, I, I put some tone on there. I don't know. I didn't watch him. I'm just reading the quote. But I imagine. Does that not sound like Baker? He, he didn't say, it's my decision. I get to say whether I play or not. That sounds like, like a that, saying it like that, that. That's a dead ringer for Baker Mayfield. I don't know, man. That's <laughs> I do a pretty good Baker Mayfield impression. What can I say? But what like what, what's your opinion on this? Because I feel like not only do I think is that going back to the the cocky ways, and I get Baker's super competitive. That's cool. But it's going back to the cocky ways. But I feel like that's also stepping over your head coach, which has done so much good for not only you, but the organization. Like, let him take that. You don't need to answer. What's happening? I will say this. You do love to hate Baker Mayfield. Two, do you know, this is, just makes my soul so happy. If Baker doesn't play, your favorite quarterback gets to play on Thursday. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Case yeah, I don't, Keenum. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would watch the Teddy Bridgewater Case Keenum game. But you know, maybe you could have a revenge just, game narrative. Just a little update, real quick for people. Josh hates Case Keenum based off of nothing that's happened in real life. <laughs> it's just because we no, ran. Totally not. We ran a franchise together in Madden once, and in a playoff game, he came in after our starter got injured and played terribly and Josh hates him forever because of it regardless yeah it's it true. is weird for Baker to say that because I felt like Baker had matured so much we we lauded him in the offseason for growing up and not saying such abrasive things and I get it you know this team had so many expectations coming in the year and they started off really strong they were three and one and had defeated or had almost defeated the defending champs so they could have been four and oh so again it was like the super thing like oh yeah the the the, the Browns but Baker Mayfield only has six touchdowns and three interceptions. He's he's not really having that great of a season. And I know that the team is the rushing. And, you know, Nick Chubb, who has 523 yards, and Kareem Hunt has 360 yards. And I know both those guys are also injured. But, again, like, this is when your quarterback is supposed to take over, and he just really hasn't been that great. And we talked about him. And, we, I mean, you had mentioned him in, as a sleeper for – 
for MVP, I believe. And yeah, I the, said that he, before he, the start of the season. I said because yeah. he could be the the perfect composer, making everything work yes. super super well. And right yeah. now, it is and it is a clunky orchestra. He finished last year as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I threw I rattled off those stats in that preview episode. So yeah, I actually don't know what the answer is for Bakefield, but I you're right. I don't regardless of the tone, I don't really like that answer at all, unless. You know, who's to say what this really is? It's normally never this. Um, But maybe the coach did say, it's up to you, Baker. If you feel okay, then you can play. The doctors gave you an okay. I don't, you know, maybe it was that and he didn't say that. But knowing Baker Mayfield, he probably just said it because he got hot. Um, And it's not a good look. I don't like it. (laughs) Um, I think the Browns should be really worried right now. All right. Thank you for that. You know, you didn't uh, say, Josh, you're an idiot as much as I thought you were going to say in response to that. Why would I call you an idiot, buddy? I love you. Just because, you know, <laughs> you know that, you know, Baker grinds my gear sometimes. Okay. So. I will say he looked better than the time he looked like that homeless, uh, like, Lee Javi Oswald <laughs> guy. At least he's pretty well put together. <laughs> oh, Baker Mayfield. I do like Baker Mayfield. Okay. Cool. So. Uh, I have one cold read. If I can find it, I just had all this brought up. Um, okay, yeah. So there are NFL. I just lost this. I had the NFL standings up, and I was gonna ask you a question about it. Let's pull this up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, cool. So there are a handful of teams right now stuck at three and three, and that we don't really know what to do with them, right? Uh, some teams that are on a hot streak, like we talked about with the Vikings on a two-game win streak. Uh, and then there are some teams like the Panthers who are on a three-game losing streak. So I'm going to give you all of these three and three teams. We've got the Panthers, the Vikings, and then we've got the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Steelers. Taking out the Chiefs, because I think we can all agree that the Chiefs are going to make it into the playoffs. Out of those five teams that I mentioned, uh, which would be uh, Broncos, Browns, Steelers, um, Vikings, Panthers. Give me the team that you think is most likely to still make it into the playoffs and the team that is least likely to make it into the playoffs. Uh, least likely, in my opinion, is the Denver Broncos because it's my year to to rag on the Denver Broncos. I, I'm just not impressed with with numerous factors uh, of their game. I'm not loving what I'm seeing out of the offense. Javante Williams is proving to be more consistent than I thought he was going to be in his rookie year, which is is really good to see for the future. But, you know, we talked about all the offseason or coming into this year, we were talking about they have such a good defense and they're going to shut people down. And right now they're not even shutting people down they're just allowing teams to outscore them by by a hefty amount and forcing their offense to try to come back later on in games and that is definitely not a recipe that you want to to take to get to the playoffs so the denver broncos is definitely low more than, on my list more than the panthers that's interesting more than the panthers i think you know the panthers i think are what they are right now but i don't think that is as bad as what their record indicates or like you said a couple a little while ago it's not as bad as this skid has appeared i think right now they are a team i i do very much believe in that defense i don't want to say very much because you know they have shown some weaknesses but i believe in that defense a lot more than i believe in denver's and a big part of it and you can't blame it you know carolina and we it was the thursday night game they got hit by some injury bugs and that really discombobulated some things I don't want to chalk it all up to that, but that does matter a little bit. 
but to flip the flip the script, I'm I'm high on these Vikings, you know. Okay. Okay. And that'll probably change this this week if they come out and lay an egg, but which is super super possible because you just never totally know. But they are a team that can get hot. I like their pieces on defense. I think they have a really good defensive front. Their defensive backfield is a little more suspect than I would love, but I think they're just a complete unit. And, you know, Adam Thielen, if he gets more than five catches and produces like he did, that's a super dangerous combination. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I do. I like it. Uh, Vikings were one of the teams that I toyed with making the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see if things get rearranged in the next couple of weeks. There might be some recalls coming very, very soon. All right. Well, that's it for Cold Reese. So that means, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Fantasy Corner. Yeah, I should have sang with you. I'm sorry. That's that one's on me. I got. I just got. I got worried thinking that it wasn't time for Fantasy Corner. I mean, I'm like, I'm reading the rundown right now. <laughs> wait, are you reading the one that I texted you? Because after Cold Reads, it does say Pals Picks. And now I feel bad because I shouldn't have brought it up. I should have just went with it and we would have been fine. No, that's okay. And that is on me. I was just super confident. I was pulling up sleeper as <laughs> if you're going, but it's fine. Let's, uh, you want to rewind a little bit and give me a cue again? <laughs> now it is time for Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. First time. Give him the rundown, yeah, buddy. Yeah, went wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty okay. I went two and one last week. Adam Rossi, everybody, reigning champ. No, I'm I'm gonna cocky for a second. Do it. No, do it. You down. deserve it. You deserve it. Adam Rossi got his second zero and three record. Terrible. Boom. So. We are going in right now, but and the reason I don't want to get cocky is because it's still a one-week swing, so it could absolutely just egg on my face soon. Although, egg on your face tomorrow. I'm pretty darn excited. That's very true. So, right now, going into week seven, I'm at 10 and 8. Adam is at 7 and 10, and we have some good games on the docket this week. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you, you, you're not giving up on just picking my weaknesses, so... Go ahead, man. (laughs) So here we go. The first game, I got to pick the games this week, and we are officially at the bye weeks. I guess we were on the bye weeks last week, but it wasn't that many. It was just a couple. But I feel like now we are getting getting into that time, so we are have some limited games to pick from. So I'm going. The first game I gave you is those Kansas City Chiefs against the team we just saw last night, the Tennessee Titans. Tough game for sure. It depends on if you think that the Monday night game was truly who the Titans are and they're going to continue and that if they'll recover some of the injuries or if you think that the Chiefs are just on the on the upswing. I'll tell you what, if Washington plays competently on offense last week, that game's totally different. Taylor Heineke and that offense just really crumbled against the Chiefs and that was a close game after halftime. It was it was not until later in that game where they where they pulled ahead. Yeah, I don't this is a hard one for me, but I think that I will go with the Chiefs. I think that the Titans have too many injuries in the secondary right now, and I would probably pick the Titans if they were healthier, but I just think that with okay. so many injuries in the secondary, Pat Mahomes might throw for four or five touchdowns. Um you saw what Josh Allen was doing to them for most of the game. 
um, even before they had injuries. So I just think there's too much going on there against Tennessee. They're coming off of a pretty intense matchup against Buffalo. It was super physical, too. I don't know if anybody was really paying attention. There was a lot of big hits happening on both sides in that game. I just think that they have a little bit of a downer here, and I think Pat Mahomes has a huge day. We'll say, and I, I texted this during the game, is Tyreek Hill needs to let, stop letting passes go off and through his yeah, hands. Yeah, it's bad. Interception. Oh, yeah, it's, it's bad. Definitely hurting. Going to the second game, and it's a game that you uh, mocked me for a little bit when I sent you Pals Picks Rundown. The Falcons taking on the Miami Dolphins. Now, of course, you were like, of course you gave me the Falcons. But I will say there is reason behind this because going back a few weeks ago, the bet was you said the Falcons were going to rattle off X amount of wins. I don't remember. I think it was four. It was Which four. was going to make it this game. But then last week, you said the Miami Dolphins were about to start a run. So there's some conflicting wiring going on here. And I just want to see, obviously... The Dolphins coming off their loss in London. They don't get a bye week. The Falcons coming off their win in London. They do get a bye week, but they are heading to Miami to play this game. <sighs> I hate this. I hate football. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I like both of these teams. I don't want to give up on Tua, and I, I think that Tua's, like I said, played really well, and I like a lot of what they did. Jacksonville was able to just move it pretty easily against them at times, and I really like what the Falcons' offense has been doing lately with Arthur Smith and Kyle Pitts that is coming out, and Calvin Ridley's going to be back, and Cordero Patterson's been great, but Jalen Waddle's been coming on, and Mike Kosicki's making huge plays. Oh, my brain is going to explode. I'm going with the Falcons. All right, going with the Falcons. And last but not least, we're going to go to the Sunday night game, the Indianapolis Colts traveling out to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. I'm physically ill by just picking the Falcons. I just want everybody to know that, okay? I just I still don't know how to feel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, who's starting for the 49ers? Do we know that yet, or is that in jeopardy, or is it just Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh I do not I have know no if idea. been made official. I know before the bye week and everything, they said when Jimmy was ready, he was going to be the starter. Is he ready? Did this does say – Who knows? This says that yesterday – or today – yesterday it said Garoppolo practices, Lance does not. Okay, so I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts. I'll take the Colts here. I really like what the Colts have been doing the last couple of weeks. We talked about – you know, this was another thing we talked about that if had the Titans lost and the Colts hadn't a loss to that, you know, Herculean effort by Lamar Jackson the previous week, that the Colts could have been tied for first place in their division. Um, so maybe we were wrong to recall them so early. Obviously, all of the opposites of those things did happen. If this, if that, but I really like <laughs> I really like what they've been doing lately. Carson Wentz is attacking downfield. Jonathan Taylor looks great. Um, they have a bevy of backs behind him with Marlon Mack, who we hope gets traded to Baltimore. Let's do it, guys. Stop being silly and foolish. And then they've also got Naeem Hines as well. Both of which we have on our fantasy teams. Yeah, I just I think this will be a, a fun game for the most part. I just uh, I like the Colts a little bit better. There we go. Well, last week I was the road warrior. This week you are the road warrior. I don't feel great about any of those. Over the Titans, the Falcons, over the Dolphins, and the Colts over the 49ers. I I truly don't feel good about any of that, man. uh, You have me on the ropes. I'm like in the corner, and I'm like wavering, and I'm feeling dizzy, and you're just just, body, body blow, body blow. 
This could be over quick, man. You know, I I'm I'm I, I don't know. I'm not getting no, don't this is again, you're you're doing this reverse psychology thing. It's not gonna work the whole like, oh I've already lost, so I might as well give up and then like no, somehow I, karma's like, I, no, it's okay. I didn't say no, I was giving I, I don't I didn't like say to consider it body blows. I like to think that you're like a dog in the corner and I'm like playing with the vacuum getting you to getting you to freak out a little bit like i'm like <laughs> hey i'm not i haven't s- i haven't said i'm giving up or you've already won i'm just saying <laughs> i'm i'm freaking out a little bit i'm worried uh all right let's go to your games i will say bef- before this i will say at no point last year which obviously you had your miraculous week 17 I did, yes. victory. That was the only you were you were never had a record this low. Yes. It, I I'm normally pretty good at picking games in general, but it, especially when you give me the couple of ones, I've been pretty good at it. But we'll see what happens. Regardless, let's do the Bengals at the Ravens. I think this is one of my favorite games to watch this week. I think not only just because I think it'll be a good game, because I want to learn if these Bengals are for real. You know, I want to really know if this is, yeah. can this be a battle between, can they join the weight class of teams like the Ravens, the Titans, the Bills, and, and so on and so forth? Yeah, very much so. And you, you've said it a couple times on the show, learning really what the Bengals are about. I think even if they lose this game, it's not necessarily a downtrodden thing. That's like saying that the Chargers are no longer legitimate or anything because they lost to the Ravens. You know, like we were talking about, the sometimes good teams just lose football games because somebody needs to come out a loser unless you have a tie, which we haven't had a tie this year, and that kind of stinks. But I think this is going to be it's going to be an AFC North battle, and those are usually really, really good. We are going to see. I think we're seeing a little more finesse from these two teams than we've seen in years past. We think of AFC North being the smash mouth, and we're going to tackle each other into the ground and run the football and all that good stuff. We're seeing some more finesse out of these two teams, which is kind of cool. The evolution of of this division and how football progresses. I'm going to go with the home team just because they're the home team right now, and I feel like that is going to matter a little bit. So I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens right now. I said it during uh, a rave. They're just winning in all sorts of different facets. So if, if the run game gets shut down, then Lamar is going to throw for, I don't think he's actually going to, but he can throw for 400 yards. Or if the passing game isn't working, then they can turn it on with Devonte Freeman having one carry for 30 yards and then four for two and it having looking like it's an okay game. I digress, but they did get uh, Rashad Bateman back last week. And I think that'll continue to be a good thing as they, integrate him in and i'm just liking i'm liking what i'm seeing from these ravens i'll say this i do have this as an upset special i don't know if i'm picking it but i this is one to watch out but i'm glad you for sure absolutely i'm glad that you pointed out beforehand that the games were sparse this week because of bye weeks but also because there's a lot of not so great teams playing not so great teams right now so there's a lot of games that i think are very easy to pick um i think you might see that reflected in the next two although who knows uh we've got the frisky giants with Daniel Jones, who did play, didn't play well, but played last week. Uh, they're hosting the reeling Carolina Panthers in game number two. Yes, game number two. And this is a game where we're talking about maybe the Panthers are really bad. I think this is going to be a get-right game against the Panthers. And, you know, I, I do hope that we see the Giants that played the Saints or that played the Rams for, like, a half a quarter or play the Washington football team because it's more fun when that team is good. You don't like seeing any team be bad, but it just, to me, when I see the Giants being competent, it's really exciting. I don't know the health of Saquon Barkley. He's probably, probably still trending towards missing this game. I do think we might see him next week, but this is not the one. And like I said, right, the Panthers, 
game script could have been completely different against the Vikings if they hadn't had all those darn drops. I think they get rid of those yips in this game. I'm taking the road team and the Panthers on this one to get back on the board and get above 500. All right. Uh, will you allow me to call an audible in Pals Picks? Oh, okay. Let's hear it. I, I would, are you going to allow me or not? I want to call a different game yeah, for game no, number three. I'll do it. It's good. So it's good. initially, game number three was going to be Monday Night Football, Saints at Seahawks. I think that the Saints will probably win that one just because I don't fully believe in Geno Smith. And after talking what we talked about today, I want to give you Thursday night. I want to go ahead and give you the possible Teddy Bridgewater versus Case Keenum matchup on Thursday night football. Never mind. I don't allow it. <laughs> nope, never mind. We're going to go with Monday night football. Okay. <laughs> No, it's okay. Uh, Cleveland is the home team, correct? Cleveland is the home team. And as I thought about it, I was like, if Baker and all these running backs play, it's an easy pick for the Browns for you. But we don't know that, so it makes more sense for me to be like, you know what? Pick this game. Yeah, and so I'm going to vomit a little bit. And, man, I had uh, I had an Adam Rossi-esque pun oh, for the other game. Damn it. It's, it's I ruined fine. that. Yeah, you did. You did. And now we might never know. Adam Rossi, the I'm ruiner go- of things. I'm going with the Broncos in this one just because of the injury. Nick Chubb's already Nick Chubb's already ruled out. Okay, Kareem yeah. Hunt's going on IR, so we're gonna see Ernest Johnson, which you know was a fantasy darling everyone last year, and then he did almost nothing. I think he'll do more because somebody what about has to run the football. Felton, he's got some speed. Certainly could be him, but and they're just there's there's like 20 injured Browns. You're right. No, the injury report's gross. It, and Von Miller came out. I forget the the word. I think he said. I think it was quote kill the offensive line. It was oh yeah, really I literally just saw this dramatic like that. I just saw this headline too, and I was like, "What are you, Von? What are you talking about?" Yeah, it, it's weird, but it says he's confident he'll quote kill the Browns' offensive tackles. Great, their great, Von. Tackles are they're. Their starting tackles are out, so I'm going with the Broncos. And I think, you know, the defense and, and, and so strange to me because we talked about all 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 of the talent that the Browns have on defense. And sure, they're getting sacks and Miles Garrett looks great, and I do think he very well is in contention for the defensive player of the year conversation right now. But they're still giving up like eighty points in the last two games. I'm going with the Broncos in this one and I don't love it. All right. Uh, Just to recap, you went with the Ravens at home, the Panthers on the road against the Giants, and in the audible section, you went with, uncomfortably, the Broncos against the Browns. Well, that was Pals Picks, this week sponsored by Tums for how nauseating it made both of us feel. Um, So, now it is time for... Fantasy Corner! We don't have a whole lot to report on that one. What? I said we don't have a, a lot to report here, honestly. We don't. We're crushing it. We just keep going, man. And we lucked into two running backs. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. We're still we're still getting by with our running backs. So we are. We did win this weekend, beat the median. So we are sitting at ten and two in first place. Uh, we'll have a couple things that we can talk about off air as far as players to add if we want to do that, if we want to swap out our defense or something along those lines. But we can talk about that off air because it's not that exciting to talk about defenses. Okay, so, so I will I will bring up, just because this is still Fantasy Corner, we both like fantasy football, we got to chat for a little bit. Uh, I am in a league with our good friend, Dallas Cowboy correspondent, Mike Mikas. I won my first game of the season. I was 0-5. Woo! And I won, right. I won because of Tyler freaking Bass 
and a little bit of A.J. Brown. But for the most part, Tyler Bass, who had an awesome week kicking, he is now the number one kicker in fantasy, had 13 points, and then A.J. Brown came on late and kind of closed it out. I want to give you my team. I want you to, to tell me how you feel about it. And then maybe give me some advice because you are the fantasy guru in my mind. Right now, my team is Carson Wentz, Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, AJ, or, uh, AJ Brown, Jacoby Myers, David Njoku, Cordero Patterson, Khalil Herbert, Tyler Bass, the Broncos defense. And then on my bench, I have Devin Singletary, Javante Williams, Kenny Galladay, CeeDee Lamb, and LaVisca Chenault. Um, there's a lot of names in there that I feel like should make me better than I am. But I am not. I am one in five. I'm not out of it yet. I could go on a run. That happens in fantasy all the time. But, uh, yeah, give me some advice, my dude. Who do I pick up? Do I pick up anybody? Do I just let it go? Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on your waiver wire, which we don't have to get into all the names. I mean, if it's the stereotypical ones that are available, you're looking at the Duranis Johnson. Yeah, pretty much is. Donovan Peoples-Jones, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily drop anybody. I think you have a really solid team. You know, sometimes it's just the, the way the cookie crumbles. I, I I will say right now, and it's weird to say, I don't, it's not weird to say because it's true. I don't love Miles Sanders as a fantasy player right now. Yeah. I would love to see finally, because we did see, they finally gave him the rock and he made like good plays with it. Maybe Sirian will finally be like, okay, maybe I should do this a little more often. Maybe this week will happen. If if not, I would start saying Javante Williams very well could be a starter over Miles Sanders on that. Team. Yeah, I haven't given up on on Sanders yet, and the only reason I haven't, and here's the stat for you, and this is going to be a tidbit: Miles Sanders has rushed for positive yardage on 98.2 percent of his attempts this season. I, I, 98.2 percent of his attempts get at least one yard and more often than not more. So when he gets the opportunities, he's great. He's just not getting them. So I I haven't given up quite yet because I think that he will hopefully get the opportunities and continue to be as good as he has been. Um, So we'll see what happens. But I will ask you this because, again, we love fantasy football and I want to make sure we're still having a fantasy segment. In years past and for majority of the time, it's get the bell cow running backs because there's enough good wide receivers other places in a lot of leagues I did that and I'm not doing so hot now injuries play a factor into that obviously in some of those leagues I had Nick Chubb who's been down and I had Miles Sanders who hasn't been playing that well and then you have Alvin Kamara who was kind of off and on and then had a bye week so there's a lot of factors that go into that for sure but are we seeing the end of the get your bell cow running backs and figure out wide receiver later should it now be get your wide receivers and quarterbacks which is what we did in our league, and now we're one of the best teams in the league? You know, it's it's hard to say. I do think the injuries have played a factor in it because, you know, some of those bell cow backs that we talked about, and we highlighted it a couple weeks ago, you know, CMC's been hurt. Dalvin Cook's missed some time. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Alvin Kamara has has been out on the field, but it's not the Alvin Kamara of years past, and he's still been really good, but he's not getting the 13 checkdowns by Drew Brees every single week. So, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't think it's necessarily a changing of the guard because fantasy football has, you know, tried and true kind of been the grab your backs because they're more limited and you will find backs or you'll find wide receivers. And, you know, a perfect example was a wide receiver that I was relatively down on. I didn't think he was going to be trash or anything like that. But Cooper Cup was going in like the sixth, seventh round, and he's like the number one fantasy wide receiver in the league. So it's, 
you, you can find those guys later versus if you wait until the seventh round to get a running back, which we did, then you're hoping for an injury to CMC and you get, you know, his backup in a trade for some reason. Right. So I wouldn't say you want to do that. I think, you know, we're still, their traditional mindset is still good. Maybe it's not paying off this year in maybe so many ways, but it's just, it's just, that's, that's what the game is. It fluctuates right. and it changes, but you know, there, there's no way to predict that. And, you know, Dalvin Cook was back last week and ran for 150 and touchdown, and CMC will probably do the same thing when he comes back off IR. Uh, I will say this, um, and this is very interesting. I'm looking at Fantasy Pros. They do a season in review every year for fantasy football. Uh, percentage of players that made, like, if, if they were on your roster, how often did you make the playoffs? Every team that had the following players made the fantasy playoffs um, last year. Kyler Murray... Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Every team that had one of those five players, at least, every team made made the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then uh, the kicker was actually Young, Young, our good friend Young Ho, um, Young Way. Um, but again, it does seem that the big time players always make it, but there's more receivers and tight ends on that list and quarterbacks than there are running backs. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I was thinking about that this past weekend where I'm always the running back heavy. And this year I leaned more into it than I have in the last couple of years. And I'm doing well in some leagues and some leagues I'm struggling. I was just wondering if it felt more like bad luck than not. So we'll see what happens. That was fantasy corner. Thank you for listening. All right, cool. So, uh, we've got, uh, friends fortune, my dude, you ready to go? I am ready to go. All right, go ahead. going to go in three. Two. All right. So I'm going to go to a game that probably is going to be pretty trashy, trashy and maybe a good way because they're just two down teams and yeah, I'm the pseudo dolphins fan and it's stunk that they're one and four, but I did really like what I saw from Micah Tua to Micah Siggy last week. And I feel like that's going to continue. And we started to see Kyle Pitts come on two weeks ago, too. I'm going to say that these two young tight ends, we're going to see 200-plus yards between tight ends in this game. Now, I'm not saying just Mike Isicki and Kyle Pitts. You know, if if Durham Smythe catches one for 18, I think that goes towards the 200 yards. But 200 yards between tight ends in the Miami-Atlanta game. All right, my man. All righty, here I go in three, two, one, go. All right, folks, I th- I'm on the board. I got one. Um, i still not giving my one for the last couple of weeks. But what I'm going to say is this week I'm going to go with passing touchdowns, and I'm going to say there are going to be six or more quarterbacks that throw three-plus touchdowns this week in the NFL. Short, sweet, to the point. Love it. All righty. Uh, got some tidbits for us, bud? I do not have any tidbits All this right. week. Running through my tidbits real quick here. Uh, no player threw more interceptions than Carson Wentz last year. He had 15 in just 12 games. This season, Wentz has thrown the fewest interceptions of any quarterback that has played every game for his team. This year, he just has one. So I just want to give some kudos to Carson Wentz. We unload on him quite a bit. The Lions have yet to play one offensive snap with a lead this season. Yikes. Ah, that stinks. Yikes. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is now tied for the fifth most interceptions of any NFL team so far this season. Any NFL team so far this season. He's also scored two touchdowns this season, which is, well, this 
was more than his brother Stefan Diggs, but Stefan did score. Uh, also more than Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, and Kyle Pitts. <coughs> wow, sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. A uh, couple more. DeAndre Hopkins had three catches for 55 yards and two touchdowns this weekend. That is his second multi-touchdown game this season. He had none in 2020. Lamar Jackson now becomes the winningest quarterback in NFL history before turning 25 with his 35th win against the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, breaking Dan Marino's record of 34. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, it appears the path to success for Mahomes in this offense is when he throws the ball under 2.5 seconds per pass. He has a QBR of 85. He has 13 touchdowns and one pick with 86% completion percentage. When he holds the ball longer than 2.5 seconds, 49 QBR, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, and only a 51% completion Right, so getting the ball out quick into your guys seems to be the way to go for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. We'll see if they notice that heading forward. Those are all the tidbits I have for this week of the NFL. I will say real quick to tack on to that, we're seeing, it seems like every week, there's a new record being broken by a young quarterback, and it's awesome because we're we're really lucky that as we've lost the Drew Breeses and the Eli Mannings and the soon-to-be Aaron Rodgers probably, and maybe never Tom Brady, that we have these young guys coming up, but also... Every single one of these seems to revolve around Dan Marino, and that's just really amazing to think about in the 80s, what he was doing back then. That's cool. That's a really, really good point that I don't know if a lot of people are pointing out, but that's an awesome point that I didn't even think about. That's really cool. You're right. Like Dan Marino was freaking awesome, and you're right. Every time a young quarterback breaks something, it's like, broke Dan Marino. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's cool. You're right, though. You're right, though. All right. Anything else? All right. Well, bud, we uh, get reunited tomorrow oh, for the first time in a handful of months. I'm really and uh, everybody, get some get some egg viewing ready. <laughs> we will post that on our Instagram, which is at Simultaneous Catch. Uh, we do have our Twitter back, which is at Simult Catch, which is what it was before. It is now back up and running. So we'll get that going with some sort of contest eventually, probably during the playoffs, because I'm super busy and tired all the time. But yes, thank you for listening to Simultaneous Catch, folks. We love you very much, and God bless.